Hello, podcast world. Welcome to Vicarious Living, a show about a couple Midwest dudes breaking down all the beauty that is teen drama TV. Refreshed and ready. How are you doing? Why don't you tell the listeners, our hardcore fan listeners, where we were this past week and why we took the hiatus. Oh, we were in a little place called LGI. Florida. Yeah. (laughs) That's what people will know it as. We were in Florida. We were in Florida. (laughs) For your? Bachelor party. Yeah. God. We We went to... Hey, intern Whitney... We went to a lot of strip clubs when we were there. Oh, yeah? Island strip clubs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was crazy. And by that, I mean we went to none. We went yeah. to none. We did go to Hooters. I did not partake in that because I uh, was still dealing with some flu-like symptoms, but I heard it was fun. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyways, housekeeping. Give our shit. All right. We are at Vicarious Living podcast on instagram and vicarious living pod at gmail.com yep keep those emails coming in kids we want them fucking hot tonight last episode of fnl last one two episodes episode 21 best laid plans and episode 22 which is entitled state action-packed episodes um it's bittersweet because we've had a hell of a ride on fnl but all good things must come to an end. Yeah, we we went from the OC, which obviously we really enjoyed. That's a rush. And then we just plunged into these deep, deep, cool, rich waters of Friday Night Lights. And it was a whole different experience. Yeah, We've was, actually been watching extremely high-quality programming for the past couple of months. Yeah, we've said this before, but the OC, we were kind of like... We were laughing at it a lot, and we... No disrespect. No disrespect. It hit us at the right time in our teens, and so while we were laughing at it, it's like we were part of the team, so we can make fun of it. FNL, it was like, we're genuinely just watching a really good high-quality series, television series. Yeah. And so it's been an interesting dynamic, but I will say, I think it'll be refreshing to jump back into just some real garbage trash of Laguna Beach just as like a palate cleanser. So we kind of did it with Eighth and Ocean where like palate cleanse. We pop a couple episodes of Laguna Beach, see how we're doing. Yeah, I mean those are quick hitters. They're 30 minutes and I think just to check in with Steven and uh, the yeah, kids. Yeah, I was going to say it's been so long since I've seen that show and I never was a huge fan of it in the first place. What? Laguna Beach. You were never a fan? I'm not a reality guy. Lame. Lame. Don't get me wrong. I watched every single episode. Yeah. It was was quality. But that's like, I probably can count on one hand how many reality TV shows I've gotten into. That's definitely on the list. But watching it back, um, I'm curious to see how much I connect with it, if at all. You're probably going to connect so much with it. Knowing you like I do, you're definitely going to connect. If Steven's bringing drama... 
Dude, just remember the scene when they go to fucking um, Cabo for spring break and Kristen is up on the bar just dancing and Steven just is yelling, SLUT! <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's, that's, I mean, that sounds appealing. How, are they, they're in high school during it, right? Hell yeah. Hell yeah. That'll be interesting. Think about all the stories we're going to have from our, our two different visits that we've had to Laguna Beach together. The city, the town, whatever it is. We've been there. We have been to Laguna Beach. I can't wait to put the Instagram pics up of our time there because we got pictures right in front of the high school and stuff. (laughs) (laughs) That is fully factual. Yes. Okay, so last last Friday Night Lights, and then we'll probably bring Zerb in to recap all Friday Night Lights as well. I hope he's been listening with his ear to the grindstone. Okay, first scene. Tammy, 4 a.m. wake-up call to Coach T. Wow. Yikes. Fuck that. That was bullshit. So, this would honestly be enough to give her the MCITW of the week. I didn't give it to her, but yes, I agree. It's the the scene, for those of you who haven't seen this or aren't watching it, also the episode starts in the middle of the night. Tammy wakes up Coach Taylor like, like something's wrong, like there's a start. It's in the middle of the night. He has a 4 a.m. wake-up call to get on a flight to go do an interview. And she wakes him up, not to say his alarm's going off, but like at like seemingly 2 or 3 in the morning. Yeah, to say that she doesn't, she doesn't think this is a good idea for him to take the TMU job. The man just wants to keep sleeping. And once you get woken up, like that would always happen to me when I was waking up growing up, is if you wake up at like 6 a.m. and you know that you got to be up at 7... There's just no fucking chance. Like, no, you're just like, God damn it. What ends up happening is he was supposed to get up at four and a minute into her talking, his alarm goes off. So it's like, I guess really at the end of the day, he didn't lose much sleep, but still. I might get a divorce. She, she robbed him of yeah. that one minute and yeah. that's all it would take. I literally might get a divorce if... That probably would have solved all the problems that they go through this episode, trying to figure out the logistics of their life. Yeah. If he was just like, oh, yeah, no, that's it. I actually can't stand you because of that move. And then they get a divorce. Just like the the show. (laughs) And then the show ends. He goes and does the job. Yeah. End of the show. End of the series. All done. Yeah. It it was bullshit. I I didn't like that move by her. There is a lot going on, though, with that coach trying to take that TMU job drama. And it's really creating quite a cliffhanger as we end season one of FNL and go into season two because throughout these whole two last two episodes, it's just it's endless the fucking shit with him taking this job. We'll get back to that. I just wrote down here as we wrap up the storyline with Bo's mom and all the taboo with the neighbor and Tim, mm-hmm. which has just been fucking palpable. It's been like fucking. Mm, it's been good. Bo, can we chalk him up as the uh, biggest cock block of all time? Yeah, I would say. I mean, fuck, dude. Yeah. Like, let your mom get some dick, Bo. He goes from, like, one of the greatest wingmen of all time, just getting uh, Riggins' foot in the door. Yeah, non-creepily gets it in, like, watching movies with the mom and getting dinner with them and a lot of, like, sexual tension, flirting. Yes, he's really good at that. Mm -hmm. But then he's also really good at cock-blocking the fuck out of his mom. Oh, exactly. With the 16-year-old neighbor kid. It's completely his fault that the mom was like, oh, wait a second. 
I can't be getting with you, Tim Riggins. You're going to... I have a son. I've got a son. Yeah. I've got a kid. The kid looks up to you. You're 16. Unless you want to be his new dad, Tim. Are you ready for that? I feel like Tim would take it on. <laughs> for like two weeks and then kind of get bored of it. Yeah. But like he definitely would take it on. Yeah. They're doing a lot of shit where like Tim will go over, have sex with her, and then... In the at six a.m. in the morning, when Bo's obviously all jacked up on cocaine, ready to start his day, as all like seven-year-old kids are, six-year-old kids are, Tim's got to like jump out of the window and then act like he's coming in the front door, like, "Oh yeah, I'm just over here, like over here to play dad early in the morning, Bo. Here to be your new dad." Yeah, but I Bo is gonna have to get used to that. He is going to be the sole reason that his mom stays single. Yeah. It would be hard, uh, you know, if you're a single mom going out and getting some like random 15, 16 year old dick, Mm -hmm. it's got to be tough if you're a single mom, you know? It might be, I shouldn't say that, I was a bit harsh on Bo because at a certain point he's gonna, you know, what is he, probably like nine right now? Yeah, precocious little nine year old. in about seven, eight years, um, like he'll start bringing his friends around and then his mom can just date them. (laughs) So really, he'll probably get, like, he'll go from being kind of a cock block to a good wingman again. I mean, in all reality, how much of a slut is Bo's mom? Whoa! <laughs> sorry, Whitney, sorry. I'm sorry, but, I mean, if if you're a 37-year-old single mom... Yeah, I mean... Yeah, you're a slut. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we've gotten permission. Whitney says it's cool. So I, I feel like it's, since she's a pedophile, we can slut shame her. Yeah, right. Yeah, she's committing. She's actually committing crimes. So, so that's slut, fair enough. Slut crimes. These are slut crimes. Okay. <laughs> slut crimes. All right. So now we know the line. We know that that word is reserved for criminals only. Um, another thing. Good. Another thing here. Getting off of that. How hard would it be to spit game if you're in a wheelchair? I mean, because there's this whole thing with Street where him and Lila are going through some shit. And, like, he's starting to, like, mess around with that girl that we can't figure out if she's hot or not because of her eyebrows. Mm-hmm. Which, we're now, I think, I think we're kind of landing on she's not hot, right? Um, yeah, I've never thought she was hot, but it's solely based on the eyebrows. So I have no idea. It's funny because in this first scene that they showed with her, it was like from one a- one camera angle, I was convinced that she was hot. And then from in the exact same scene, from a different camera angle, I was convinced not hot. And I think it was just how the light was hitting her eyebrows. Yeah. That I was mean, like maybe, swaying it. Maybe that, I mean, that in and of itself could swing her into being like very interesting looking. Like it's always different. Like a well, mood ring. Like sometimes she's hot, sometimes she's not. Which I don't mind that. I don't mind that, honestly. Because then it's like kind of a unique thing. Yeah. But where I do... Keeps it exciting. Keeps things spicy. (laughs) Yeah. Is my girlfriend going to look disgusting as fuck today? Or is she actually going to look attractive? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Keeps you on your toes. But But my point of that is that to say she sees... She keeps like quote unquote popping up and seeing street organically. Which I always love. And... I just kept thinking like streets being all witty and charming and like, like sexual jokes, all sensuous, you know, he's like, he's still got the confidence of a QB one. Let's say that. I know, but he's in a wheelchair. So it's like just watching him spit game. Like I, I know it makes me sound like a total dick, but 
it makes my stomach hurt. Well, this is probably the only time you've ever sounded like a total dick, so it's kind of <laughs> shocking. I'm trying to adjust to it. I think, well, I think you're you're not wrong, but for me, it's mainly because of uh, the height thing is tough. I know, I was thinking because, that exact Like you said, thing. you asked me how hard would it be, and my first thought was like, you're just constantly like, looking you're up. You're looking up. The power dynamic is completely thrown off. Like... You can't, you, it's, it's really hard if you're a guy to act like really confident and like witty and charming with a girl if you are three feet shorter than her. Right. It'd be like us trying to spit game at a girl who's like nine feet tall. It'd be tough. That would be tough. I mean, our success rate with WNBA chicks is probably going to be low. (laughs) (laughs) They're not even three feet taller than us. And it's probably going to be a low success rate that you and I have with hooking up with the local star of the Phoenix Mercury or the Minnesota Lynx. That's true. Los Angeles Sparks. Miami. uh, Speaking of, we still got to go to the Indiana Fever game. You in? I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, Pat, for the listeners, Pat lost our fantasy league this year. And so he has been tasked with the punishment of our fantasy league, which is to go to a WNBA basketball game and wear, like, buy full fan gear regalia, sit there in the stands, cheer on the teams. I was going to do that anyways. He I was going to do it. Yeah, I don't go to a game without buying a ton of merch, so I'll, I'll have the merch. And you, get, you got season tickets for the Fever this year, right? Uh, shockingly, tickets are not cheap. Oh, you got tickets to the Shock, the Detroit Shock? No, the, the Fever. <laughs> <laughs> tickets are cheap they're pretty cheap anyways have I'm you not... looked at it it's, it's, it's pretty pricey <clears throat> like let's just say you're not getting a discount yeah you are there have you looked at it it was preseason, pre-season <laughs> <laughs> i think it was like they pre-sale. They're, they're, pre- the they're, they're pre-sale so i'll, I'll check it again yeah dude they're, they're not going to be expensive i fully anticipate to be courtside at this WNBA game no offense to all of our lady listeners but WNBA fucking sucks. And I anticipate to be courtside at this WNBA game for no more than fifteen and a half dollars. <laughs> I'll be with you. Anyways, yeah, Pat got last, but I've just decided it's on my bucket list to go to a WNBA game, so I'm gonna go with him. Yeah, so the punishment kinda of turned into a pretty probably gonna be a pretty fun little time. I think uh That'll be fun. Yeah, I think Hank's in, too. Yeah, I mean, we're going to be courtside at under 20 bucks. So just imagine all the merch and, like, stadium food we're going to buy. It's going to be amazing. Probably gamble on it. Yeah. Um, okay, let's pepper clip. Pepper clip time. Landry and Tyra still dealing with a lot of fucking shit. And as you recall from our last podcast, Tyra was full-on fucking sexually assaulted by this random guy at the diner. I, I remember that. Hold on, by the way... <laughs> I do have to mention, because I listened back to it, like I do. The rape? Uh, well, our episode. <laughs> I didn't re-watch the rape episode. I didn't re-watch the rape by myself. Like, weird. Pat's so fucked up that any he does this all the time. Anytime there's a full-on sexual assault or a rape scene, he always goes back and watches it like ten different times because he loves it so much. It's <laughs> fucked up, listeners. <laughs> no, I, I have to call you out on, I think I already did this off air. Um, I have to call you out on the editing, even though you do a beautiful job editing these podcasts and it's, 
it's kind of yeah magic. you're gonna call the, me out the work you do is up. is magical yeah um well tell me like I 10 think, more sweet things about me before yeah you i'll say even this. it out i'll even it out yeah eventually i'll even it out um, but I, while we were talking, I think you said, Pat, start describing the scene and I'm going to pipe in the music. <laughs> he said, I'm going to pipe in the music that's playing as the scene happens. I was like, all right, okay. And I just pictured that like, it was like hard rock and roll or something. What you in fact did was to pipe in the scene sound, like the sound from the actual scene. <laughs> there was no- so it's me in like my standard monotone voice, just casually describing this horrifying <laughs> sexual assault scene. Yeah. With Tyra screaming in a panic in the background, and it's so I come off like a serial killer. So to our listeners, sorry about that. Well, you're saying that 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 was me fucking up the editing, but I'm telling you that was intentional. <laughs> I know it was. Any chance I get to make you look like a full-on creep pedophile, I'm gonna take it. <laughs> I'm gonna take it. No, I yeah. When I when we originally recorded that, I wanted to. I thought there was music playing, but then I found out that it was just like piped in, canned like symphony music, like dun, 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 like that. And, and I couldn't and, like and parse ra- it out. And rain and terrifying screams. Yeah, <laughs> I thought it was music, so I couldn't parse out like just the actual scene where what she was like yelling in the background at the same time. So. Anyways, yeah, but it was all intentional, so I did that on purpose. Um, anyways, in this clip, they're still dealing with that, and Landry's trying to figure out if he should tell somebody about it. I mean, it's weighing on him. So this is him telling Saracen about like the fucked up shit that they went through, him and Tyra, the prior night. Here it is. Look, there, there was an assault. What do you but mean? Yeah, I, I, was, I was late, and, and then there was this guy, some some stranger that, that attacked Tyra outside the Alamo Freeze, and then is, tried is to she do okay? Is she okay? Well, yeah. I mean, she 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 fought him off. Well, what did what did the cops say? Well, she didn't she didn't want to tell the cops, so we. So who'd you tell? Well, she didn't want anyone to know. I mean, she she just wanted to you know not make a big deal about it, and just Matt, look. She just, she just wants to kind of, I, I, don't, I have no idea. I mean, she, she swore me to secrecy, man. So what am, I, what am I supposed to do? Matt, what, tell me what I'm supposed to do in this situation. You got to tell somebody. Landry, I'm, you have to tell somebody. Fucking, I can't even imagine what you do if you're Landry in this position. Because it's like, damn, I mean... You want to tell someone so bad, but then at the same time, this girl who this happened to is saying, like, don't fucking tell anyone. I feel Bury like, it. I feel, like you, I feel like you have to. Because think about it this way, and this is what I would have brought up to Tyra when I was trying to convince her that she needs to tell somebody. There's a raper running around Dillon, Texas right now. Rapist. There's a man who rapes <laughs> running around Dillon, Texas. Like, there's a guy who thinks yeah. it's totally fine to, if he sees an attractive girl, right. just attack her in a parking lot. And that guy, theoretically, is still just running around Dillon, Texas. So, if it happens to somebody else, then... Now it's on Now it's on, now it's on Landry. I know, but I think this is a very classic psychological issue where... If obviously, it's... yeah. Obviously, it's harsh. But that would have been my angle. I would have been like... I mean, this guy's going to do this again. It's real easy from your ivory tower to sit back and be like, oh, you got to tell someone. 
but I'm pretty sure when like you're dealing with like these full on like victims of sexual assault or attacks, there's like a feeling of let it go. Like it's kind of my fault. I shouldn't have put myself in that position. Let it go. Don't, I don't want to tell anyone. I don't want to look weak, like a victim. Like I, no, I, I a lot of that. times there's that feeling. Mm-hmm. So I, I can see why Tyra's like, no, don't tell anyone about this. Just let it be. But yeah, if you're Saracen, I totally get where she's coming from. And I feel like I don't even think I'd have been able to talk her into telling someone. But that would have been my angle. If, if you're I, Landry. If, I, if it, I was Landry, that would have been my angle. Yeah, it's like you want to empathize with her. So like when she's going through all this shit, you know the right thing is to tell someone about it. But then at the same time, you don't want to over push it and make her do it. So you kind of like have to just sit there and listen to her and like be there for her and like try and guide her in that direction without just full on making the decision for her. Yeah. And I mean, to be honest, if I'm Tyra, I'm probably a sweep it under the rug guy. Like oh, I'd yeah. sweep that right under that rug. I know we kept talking about too, like, God, we just wish that like Tim was there for it because how Tim would have handled it is he would have been like, fuck telling the police, fuck telling the authorities. Nope. Not on my watch. I'm fucking finding this guy, and I'm going to beat the shit out of him. Yeah, Tim, beat the fuck out of Tim him. Tim Riggins wouldn't tell Tammy Taylor. No, Tim, that's what Landry did. That's is a Landry he, move. He ended up telling Tammy, which is the right thing to do, kids. It's the right thing to do. But Tim, Tim would have gone all Ryan Atwood. They would have started playing sweet-ass fucking music. Somehow we would have just found out where that, that, rape, that raper lived. Mm-hmm. <laughs> found that raper. And then just gone and, and literally murdered him. And it would have been awesome. Fuck. It would be a different show. Yeah. Um, should we get to Street? Should we go back to Street for a second? There, there was another clip where Street's now becoming a coach. And I gotta say, nothing makes my dick softer than watching Street talk to people his age and coach them. You don't like his leadership? You I don't, don't think like he's a natural born leader. He is a leader, but you have to remember he's 17 years old. He's talking it's to It's really hard to remember that. I always forget. <laughs> he's ta- While I'm watching the show, I can't I literally can't keep that in my head. He's talking to people his age like he's a 45-year-old coach. Yeah. It's like it doesn't need to be that way. He can just be like a leader and like be telling them these things as someone who was just in their position. Like, hey, I've been through it. I was through it like six months ago with you guys. I know the defenses they want to run. People like these tendencies. They like to go this way, shade this way. He's, he could do it that way. He doesn't need to talk to him. He's coaching like a practice hero. A real fucking practice hero coach. So let's play this clip. Here it is. What are you still standing here for, Stereson? Go finish your weights, finish your program, get your plays, meet me in the film room for lunch. And get used to that because we're going to be having an awful lot of meals together. Well, actually, I usually have lunch with Julie. I'll take care of Julie for you. Don't worry about it. I'll give her a nice call, tell her there's a new girl in town, and that girl is me. Thank you, Saracen. Hit the weights. Okay. Douche. Douche. I only have one word for that clip, and that's douche. Douche clip? Douche, dude. Saracen's like, oh, I usually get lunch with Julie. And he's like, oh, there's a new girl in town. That girl's me, Saracen. My thinking is it was just an odd choice because they're three, well, they're, I guess in this scene, they're five days away from the state championship. Mm -hmm. Like they've had a whole entire football season 
They've yeah. had two days. They've had all these practices, all these games, all these moments, and then building up to the state championship. Why take the tact of like breaking someone down mentally like you would in training camp or at the beginning of the season right before the state championship game? If I'm if I'm serious and I'm just confused. Like what? <clears throat> at the, we're about to play state. Like I've got I'm trying to get my mind right. Like we already went through the season. Nothing about I don't need to be broken down and then built up again right before state. Nothing about weird. street makes sense to me. Like I, none of his storylines I have. Well, Coach uh, Taylor was in on that too. I know, but it's just like I. I feel like Pete Berg has nailed the writing with all the storylines, every single one of them, with one massive exception, and that's the Jason Street storyline. No matter what, yes, I'm in on the storyline of him becoming a paraplegic and breaking his his neck in the first game of the season. Star quarterback going down. Team's got to scramble. City's all scrambling. I'm on board with that storyline. But every single storyline that Pete Berg has written into the show that happens to Street following that has been atrocious. Quad rugby? Fucking give me a break. Fucking this tattoo chick with the far apart eyebrows? Fucking grow up. I'm going to challenge you on the spot. Okay. I love challenges. What are some better ideas? I'm not asking you to like make him a better character. I mean, become a just, store clerk at the local blockbuster and just sell fucking DVDs. That's to people. the most depressing thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> Look, you back me into a corner, and I'm gonna come up with some very <laughs> thoughtful <laughs> ideas. Store clerk, God, now that just made me sad. I mean, it's a good question. What is a storyline? I feel line? like the quad rugby storyline. That's pretty good. I just always kept hoping he could just start walking again. Yeah. Like, regain his legs. <laughs> all right, that's a better answer. They, they find a way to give him body Yeah, like, legs. all of a sudden he starts... It's like a Ryan Shazier situation that's happening mm-hmm. right now where, like, every two months there'll be a video that comes out on Twitter of just him, like, jumping up onto a box and, like, showing his progress from his, this, this really bad spinal injury he had, like, a year and a half ago. And like every two months, they'll show a video of his progress that's slow, but at least there is progress. I just kept hoping for that with Street, where like all of a sudden in season three, they just show a close up on his hand, like to end an episode, and all of a sudden, or like his foot, oh, and it'll be like yeah. toes start twitching. Mm-hmm. That's what I kept. It's not realistic. I know Pete Berg did the realistic thing. If you start quarterback and you get injured, what the fuck else are you going to do? You're going to be scrambling, trying to figure out, like, what do I do with my life? So I get it. But there's got to be some other storyline they could have done with him. I like the bionic legs thing he had. Yeah. Just, or the miracle healing. He, miracle healing would have been nice. Um, okay. Let's zag a little bit here. Real interesting situation going on, as we mentioned earlier, with all this TMU stuff with Coach and Tammy. Because you would think that Tammy would just like go move wherever he wants to. So like right now, Coach is saying, oh, I got a job offer in Austin to go be an assistant coach at TMU. You would think that that Tammy T would be like, okay, yeah, we'll pick up the family and I'll move to Austin. Austin's cool. But no. Tammy T doesn't want to move. Doesn't want it. Julie T doesn't want to move. 
Tammy T was really conflicted though. Yeah, because you're saying it took her a while to come around to her stance of not wanting to move. But once she came around to it, it was well. Like well yeah. I won't get ahead of us. Yeah, let's not get ahead of ourselves. It was like Coach T got the job offer. He obviously he's like, that's my dream. I'm down. I want to get the fuck away from Buddy Garrity in this weird Texas town. Well, it's just a promotion. I think it was a promotion. A it was like, think. hey, that's a better way to think of it. Yeah, I've always wanted. I'm a high school football coach. I got an offer to go be a college football coach. Yeah, nothing against the Dylan Pease. Nothing. Nothing against Just them. a promotion. Pay raise. So he was into it from the get-go. Julie T hated the idea because that means she has to break up with Sarah or do some kind of a long-distance thing. She was just starting to get comfortable with Dylan. And then Tammy was somewhere caught in the middle where she like totally leveled with Julie and what, like was excited for Coach T and kind of about the move. But also she... I guess she really likes this counseling job. Yeah, so... Two things. One, if you're Julie and you're in high school, 0% chance you would want to move in high school. No. No chance. Not at all. No, that sounds like my worst nightmare is you're two years into your current high school and then all of a sudden it's like, hey, pick up all your shit, kid, and let's just go move like to a different city. It'd be like, and you got to make all new friends and stuff and like break up with your boyfriend. I'd be like, uh, no. Hard pass. Hard pass. Second thing, Tammy T. I think what we're starting to realize is that Tammy T is really coming into her own. And so historically, she's always moved, she's always been a coach's wife, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. And she's always just moved wherever the coach's opportunity was coming from. But now it's like Tammy T, yeah, starting to really get her footing as a guidance counselor. And it's like, hey, I got connections with these kids. She's passionate about the kids. She doesn't want to uproot, pull hey. Coach T and leave the kids in the dust. In the past, there was only one person in this household who was passionate about the kids. And guess what? You can multiply that by two. Because now, there's two people in this household who are passionate about the kids. Tammy and Coach. And so, real interesting dynamic as we move through these two episodes. Because what would you fucking do if you're in this situation? You have a promotion and a job opportunity. And then all of a sudden, your wife is like, no. I'd rather make less money and stay here. I like where we're at. Um, she brings up the, the uh, long distance thing. Like they split up the family. Oh, yeah. That idea was terrible. Yeah. But you had an interesting take on that when we were watching it. You were saying that Coach actually suggested that or went along with it because he was probably getting low on his nude pick collection. No, yeah. His wife. I, I feel like in the negotiation, he said, um... I'm going to, to do the coaching job and you're coming with me. That's the end of the story. And she said, you can do the coaching job and I'll stay here with Julie and we kind of can commute. We can kind of, our marriage can handle this. We're adults. And he said, no, you're coming with me or nothing. And so I feel like he's kind of like anchoring in the negotiation to where eventually he's like, all right, fine. You win. We'll do yeah. this long distance thing. But you gotta send me nudes on a pretty regular cadence. A weekly basis. Yeah. And then Yeah. So But it's interesting because it's like So yes, I agree with you. If you do have a long distance marriage, there has to be a regular cadence on nude pics slash videos. Especially with technologies these days, that's a must. I mean with technologies where they are at today, I mean You could take those easy. I mean 
back in the day when you needed like a real camera and stuff, get the film developed, put in an envelope, send them to TMU. It was a whole thing. But these days, dude, with fucking technologies on flip phones like we have in 2006, you snap those pics in front of the mirror, you send them off to coach. Yeah. So, I mean, with the fact that, like Tammy said, they have a very mature relationship, and plus, on top of that, you add in the technology of today's age, mm-hmm. I feel like they could probably make that work. Okay, now, now real talk, 0% chance this is a good idea. Yes, it's bad. You, you, you can't... I can't think of anything worse. Like, long-distance relationships, again, both you and I have done them. They fucking suck. But when we did them, we were, like, in high school, college range to where if that is the time to do them, that's going to be the time to do it. When you're married with kids, bad idea. So either you have to move... It would be... It seems like... You either have to move as a family to Austin or just don't take the job and stay as a family in Dillon. You can't break the family up. That, well, that idea if was they terrible. Did, they, they, there would have to be some kind of like, it seemed like, they, I don't even know if they talked about this, but seemingly they would only do it for a, like a certain period of time. Maybe that's after Julie graduates and she goes to college, then they figure out something else. It maybe there's another job by then. Or I maybe know, they but to get, it could never work. You can't just, work. It was a, it's a bad idea. It, yes, I see what you're saying. It, if it's thought of as a short-term solution, then I, I see where they're thinking it could work temporarily. But at the end of the day, it's a terrible idea through and through. It could never work long-term. You shouldn't fuck around with it. Either take the job and move the family there or don't take the job and stay. It's a hard, you gotta choice. It's a hard choice, Brian. I know it's a hard choice, but you can't split the fucking family up. That idea was terrible. Isn't that what they end up doing? They try to do that, yeah. yeah. And and you see how much it blows up in, in their face in season well, two. Well, also, there's an event that makes it... Yeah, just it. go into that event. So what do we find out about Tammy T? She is with child. Bun in the oven for Coach Tammy T. Yep. So now it's an even worse idea. <laughs> <laughs> like, she finds out that she's fucking pregnant. And now you're going to try and do this long distance thing. New job, new city. For the husband, as the mom is going to just stay back at home with a newborn and a full-time job, that and she's a full-time about. job, yeah, I don't know, I don't. Horrible, horrible. I don't know, Taylor's seems risky. Okay, off of them. Let's go back to Street and this chick because a real interesting scene when they're in the car together. Mm-hmm. First and foremost, about so what context for that scene? What's happening is Jason Street is still messing around with this tattooed chick with the art with the uh, eyebrows that are too far apart. As they're sitting in the car, his shit with Lila is kind of like fizzling out, but they are technically still engaged to each other. She's still wearing this lame ass ring he got her. A couple things in this scene when they're sitting in the car. First off, is there anything better than a girl you're interested in? fucking breaks down and tells you you she likes you if you like her um doesn't happen that often right but yeah there's nothing better is there anything worse though if a girl who you're just oh i I will i will take my answer back there is something better and it's when we've talked about this during our oc days when you hear from Another uh, girl yeah. that a girl likes you. Yes. Agreed. A la 6th, 7th 
Right? Agreed. So through so. the grapevine, you find out that someone you've heard that hey, I found out that uh, Shelly mm-hmm. has a big time crush on you. Do not tell her I told you this. Yep. <laughs> okay. Okay. I, I will, but I'm going to tell all my friends and my family about it when I get home. That's what you can count on. <laughs> So to answer your question, yes, there is something better, and that's it. Yes, that was a test for you, and luckily, you passed. Mm -hmm. Now, on the flip side, is there anything worse than finding out that someone's into you either through the grapevine, or especially if they say it to your face, and you're not into that person? Uh, yeah, that sounds awkward. Like, no, 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 no. Like, they start telling you. Put it back. Put it back no, in. No, 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 no. Please don't do this. Please don't do this. Please don't do this. I, I know. I can already feel where this is going. That happens. Please no. Please no. Please no. That probably happens to you a couple times a month. It happens to me a lot, dude. I mean, there's constantly girls coming up like, hey, Brian, I'm really into you. There's just this thing about you, this innate quality that you have that I can't get enough of. And I'm always just like, no, 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 no. I'm married. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, I was just thinking about that because you're really taking a risk. Like, So what happens is in that car scene, the tattooed girl with the eyebrows who are really far apart says to Street that she likes him. And dude, you really are taking a risk because... God, it's awesome if the other person's reciprocating it, but fuck, it sucks if they're not. Mm-hmm. Anyways, in that scene, classic teen trope that we fucking love, and part of the reason we, why we watch these shows, Lila is just around the corner. When they're making out, Lila fortuitously pulls up. It's almost up. like the world of a teen drama. Like Clearly, they all live in the town of Dillon, Texas. And right. what we know about a town is, you know, it's probably anywhere from five to ten square miles around. <laughs> but I feel like in a teen Total. drama, you you just shrink it down to the point where it's almost like the size of like a, a school gymnasium. It's a fishbowl. So it's you, it's possible to run into and bump into people at any given time of the day. But it's I feel always, like it happened four times this episode. I know, but it's it's not just like Lila pulls up and they're just sitting in the car. It's she pulls up as they're making out. Yeah. That and always time. happens. So what my theory is that not only space but time is warped in a teen drama. Oh. So there's some kind yeah. of a space time continuum. Oh, right. Like time is breach in reality situation. Like, so what you're saying is Lila didn't actually drive her dad's used car to meet up with Street. She actually met up with him through a wormhole. Mm-hmm. Right. I think something exactly A Dillon, Texas that. wormhole? Yeah. Yeah. That's probably the most likely scenario on how she got there at that time. Yeah. No. That's good. Those are good analytics. Um, so, yeah. Crazy. Couple, just like two more things on episode 21. And then we're going to go to the state game in episode 22, the final finale episode of season one. But I want to play a clip. This is one of my favorite clips. And it's at, they have this roast. So before the state game, there's a whole roast going on where the team gets together, the community gets together, the players get up there, they roast each other, the coach, coach gets up there, roasts everyone. And then there's Tim. And, uh, I don't think Tim understands roast. <laughs> so here's a clip of, um, you know, what? I'm first going to play 
what Smash says because Smash handles it right. Smash handles he a roast. roast. He knows how to roast. It's like kind of funny, kind of across the line. Everyone laughs. Moving on. Then Tim gets up there. So first Smash, and then we'll show Tim. Here it is. Now, for as long as I know Tim Riggins, there's only two phrases that can put a smile on his face. Number one, we go in the state. And number two, the results are in, you are not the father. Hey, I'm just playing with you, baby. I'm just playing with you, baby. Hey, uh, how about Saracen sleeping with the coach's daughter? What about what about Saracen banging the coach's daughter? Tim's <laughs> <laughs> the best, dude. Do you think that's Taylor Kitsch coming out, taking liberties? Maybe. Ad libbing. Maybe. Going off script, but it's just so funny. Um, okay. By the way, real quick, I don't know where you're going next, but I feel like this is a pretty good opportunity to bring this up. Um. During the roast, your guy, Buddy Garrity, steals one of Smash's jokes. Yeah. Smash is really excited about this roast. He's been writing and practicing his jokes all week. And he comes up, I think, what was it? He said, Saracen's so shy that he's been, when he first started, he would send his email. He would email. Yeah, Saracen is so shy and quiet that when he calls a play and he emails it or something like that. Emails in his place. Emails in his place, yeah. Something like that. Anyways, classic Buddy Garrity greaseball move over here is Smash telling people this joke and just steals it for his roast. Yes, that is true, but I am going to, per usual, counter your Buddy Garrity slam with a Buddy Garrity redeem. Do you think he was just too busy getting divorced and breaking up his family to write Rose jokes. Yeah, Buddy Garrity's dealing with some shit. (laughs) He's really going through a tough time. Yeah, we did find out in this episode that uh, he he is uh, he's gonna get a divorce and they sat down with the kids and told him that they're gonna get a divorce in this episode and um, (laughs) I just kept thinking when I was seeing that divorce scene like if I was getting told that oh cool, sweet Thanks, you guys. Way to fucking just totally ruin my life. Fucking mom and dad. Thank you so much. I'm so glad I'm dealing with this right now. God. Um, but, yeah. So, Buddy Garrity, I don't think he meant this. Did he overhear Smash on stealing that joke? Yeah. I feel like he just ironically, no, well, coincidentally... Smash, you hear Smash tell that joke twice before the roast. I know, once but I don't think school, Buddy heard it. Once at the table, he was telling, like, girls and making them laugh. He's been practicing it. So that made me think that at a certain point, Smash has been saying this joke all day. And at a certain point, Buddy Garrity's heard him. See, I didn't take it that way. I, How else would you I, possibly come up with the exact same joke? I don't think... I didn't... As much as I want to defend Buddy Garrity, I genuinely didn't take it that way. I really think that it was one of those... Smash have been saying that joke all day and then just obviously someone gets up and you have this joke prepared and then they say it like right before you your exact same joke and you're just like thank you god classic yeah because he stole it no I I don't I feel like you also would be an apologist for Carlos Mencia I would never 
feel like be, you're apolog- in this no. moment you're apologizing for Carlos Mencia. I would never apologize for Carlos Mencia. And I'm only like 20% sure who that is. But even with just that 20%, I know I would never apologize for him. He's good. Dickhead, dickhead comedian his crew was ruined because he would steal <coughs> open micers jokes yeah um i didn't take it that way and just to furthermore my like give another uh redemption for buddy garrity real cool move by him when everyone finds out that coach is taking that tmu job he goes up he yeah. he pulls coach aside and he's like Coach starts going into this whole soliloquy like, hey man, you can't blame me for taking this job. You can't blame me, dude. And then Buddy lets him finish his whole thing, like defending himself without saying anything. And then he's just like, hey Eric, I was just going to wish you luck. I wish you weren't leaving. A little glimmer of hope there for Buddy Garrity. Not yep. Not a total soul of garbage. Scum. So By the way, I, br- I brought that up initially just to say that we're done with Friday Night Lights. I still don't like or respect Buddy Garrity. You failed. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, you tried really fuck. hard. You got close. Some some episodes, but not fully there. Not convinced. I just, I feel like you're doubling down extra hard on Buddy Garrity because Zerb gave you so much shit for not sticking up for Sandy Cohen in the OC. And now you made no. it a self-fulfilling prophecy to never No, like, this one. I never this, stood this a chance. One, this one was easy. I just you don't like him. Don't that's like fine. Him. I mean, you know, I no, look, like that's fine. I I still really do. So teach his own. Still feel bad for Sandy. I'm sorry, Sandy. We I let can... you down. <laughs> All right, let's get to this final scene. One of the best fucking Pete Berg scenes I think I've seen in this entire show is the final scene to end episode 21, the second last episode of the season. It is fucking palpable. Like, the final scene is you think Tammy is just going to accept and go with Coach and move to Austin. And they're sitting there, and they're just... The camera is just on the mirror that both of them are looking into. Like, Coach is standing behind Tammy. He's got his arms around her, his head on her shoulder, and he's kind of, like, hugging her from behind. And he thinks, like, it's going to be great. We're going to move to Austin. They've been fighting all week. They just made up. They had, they got through their argument. They've been, they finally got through it. And coach is convinced that now they're just moving. They've, that it's done. And so then there's this unreal shot of like Pete Berg is just like, he's got the camera on the mirror, not on them. He's got it on the mirror that they're both looking into. Coach is standing behind her. And coach is like happy. He's like, I'm so glad that argument's over. I'm so glad. And Tammy's like, yeah, I know. Yeah, I'm glad that we're. it's finally all over. We're past it. We're moving on. All this stuff. And then, like, the camera starts slowly just zooming in on Tammy's face in this mirror. No music. No music at all. And it starts slowly zooming in on Tammy. She doesn't change her, her expression at all. And then in that moment, she's just like, I'm not going to Austin with you. I'm staying here in Dillon. I'll see you in bed. <laughs> she. It was just fucking ruthless, dude. It, it was like, in that moment, I was like, Tammy T. We've spent the whole season with watching her kind of be in Coach's shadow. And then all of a sudden, the end of episode 21, dude, it's like, fucking came to play. 
Yeah, also really refreshing from her because um, her pretty much her baseline passive-aggressive and like backhanded, like kind of, I'm kidding, but yeah. really, and she has this weird voice. Oh, but in no! this, she was just straightforward, told him how it was going to be, laid it down. Up until this point, it's been an argument. It's been a back and forth. I don't want to go. Well, I don't want to stay here. I want to take this job. And then all of a sudden, in that moment, it was like, end of discussion. I'm not fucking around with this anymore. I'm not going. Let's go to bed. I'm not going. Let's go to bed. Tuck on in, Coach T. Tuck on in, Coach T. But don't tuck in, kids, yet, because we still got one more episode. Episode 22, State. Okay. Let's pepper him a fun fact. My last fun fact of Friday Night Lights. Did you know? Fun fact. We're just talking about Coach. Coach Kyle Chandler, Eric T, volunteer firefighter, the entire time they filmed Friday Night Lights. Saving lives. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's why it's fun fact. He's he, like he's always been a, a volunteer firefighter? I just pretty, did it while they were filming. I'm pretty sure he just started volunteer firefighting when they were filming. Probably like putting out fires, saving lives. Hero? Hero work. That's Coach T we know and love. Let's talk about the potential going this. So this whole last episode is around the state game. Going to state. Landry and the people who aren't on the team, like Tyra Landry, have to, they're still going to all go. For a quick second, we thought Landry and Tyra were going to go to the state game, just the two of them. Mm-hmm. So did Landry. He had his chocolates ready. He's going to play some Crucifictorious to get the mood right. How many times have you and I had this conversation in our lives about is there any better situation than a girl that you're trying to get with being physically trapped with you in a non-creepy way for an extended period of time? It's all about getting them trapped in a non-creepy way. Right. Non-threatening like a road trip. Yeah, a or four a, like, hour a broken road down trip. elevator situation. Yeah, we always yeah. Those are like the top two. If you're in an elevator with a girl that you're really into, and you don't have to pee, and you don't have to pee at all, and the elevator gets fucking stuck. God damn, is that a perfect situation? Because mm-hmm. the only chance two girls sitting here like you and I have at getting with another girl is she's full on trapped and cannot physically leave your right. vicinity. Right, and there's. There's nothing aggressive about this in any way. It's just think about it like expanded to like the worst case scenario if you were trapped on a desert island with another person. Well, like yeah, at a certain point you're on an island with a person you could have no attraction to them. You're at gonna all. fall in love. If yeah, after five years you're either gonna kill each other or fall in love. Right. So now shrink that back down. Yeah. If you're on a four-hour car ride. trip from Dillon, Texas to to Dallas. You're either going to get murdered or fall in love. Exactly. So, I agree wholeheartedly. So, he's got a shot. He's got a big shot coming up. Yes. He has a real shot. And, dude, you and I walk into a bar, we don't stand a fucking chance. Oh, I thought that was going to be a joke. Like uh, No, no, that's like real. you and I walk into a bar, <laughs> there's a priest, a rabbi. <laughs> yeah. No, you and I walk into a bar, we don't stand a chance. Girls have tons of options. We're not standing out. But you and I, trapped in a fucking vehicle or on a desert island, yes, 
there's always the threat that we may kill the girl. But she's probably going to fall in love with us, dude. Probably. Uh, if you and I were trapped with that soccer team in the cave. Oh, God. And it was like yeah. it was like you and like a, like a cute assistant coach. Yeah. Crush. We would have crushed that. Yeah. Yep. It's like, no, no. We'll stay in the cave for a couple more days. Yo, get the kids out get first. Get the kids out. Yeah, like, no, kids come first. There. I'm going to sit back here. Yeah, I'm going to stay here with Michelle. Get the kids out, obviously. Mm-hmm. Me and Michelle are going to hold it down. We're going to make sure that all the kids get out. If I'm an astronaut, I mean, don't send me up with another like good-looking astronaut oh, to the International Space Station. Game because... over. Game over, kids. Yeah. You're going to be getting so much space pussy. <laughs> Zero G's, dude. <laughs> okay. Real question. Just last question about that, that road trip between Landry and Tyron, all the stuff going through his head. Oh, yeah. You know, we know that Landry always has, like, bad ideas, and, and he's always misguided on thoughts. <laughs> As Landry's going into that long car ride, how much roadhead do you think he was thinking he was going to get, or what? that it was going to lead to? What was the... So it's four hours. <laughs> yeah. It's four hours to Dallas. Yeah. I bet he thought he was going to be getting head for two. <laughs> <laughs> All right, two uh, with the aphrodisiac chocolate. Yeah, but I do, I did love that how because he's always got some kind of a plan. Like this is what you need to do. Like when he's telling Saracen, he totally, <laughs> he totally put his money where his mouth is on that one. It was him in that situation. And he's like, see, I got the chocolates. He went and bought some aphrodisiac <laughs> chocolates. Yeah, <laughs> he like had this plan of how how it needed to go down. The so horny I chocolates. I respected that strategy. <clears throat> it was classic strategery, and yeah, I guarantee he just thought like, "Oh, it's gonna. I'll get the chocolates. I'll spit game for like two of the two of the four hours, and then the last two hours, she's just going down on me. It's gonna be amazing." And as just this is just how life goes. Any plan you make, obviously, will get steamrolled. And it does. Yes, there there is no chance that that plan wasn't gonna get steamrolled. Eventually, there's like Tyra's mom comes, her sister comes, Matt Saracen's grandma gets looped into the fucking car somehow. He ends up bringing a car like a a carload full of uh, women up to the state game. Yeah. So what what it seemed in his mind like it was just going to be four hours of unadulterated fucking BJ's and spitting game at Tyra has just turned into a whole bunch of Matt Saracen's grandma talking about how she's farting in the car, <laughs> which. <laughs> Hearing an old lady talk about farts, that was brutal. Yeah, that's not good. That was tough. That's not good. That There's was really a lot tough. of farts and menopause talk. Yeah. Um, this is about the time I want to give my MCITW, though. And uh, it's got to, I got to bring it back home. Please do. You know, this is the last podcast on Friday Night Lights. If it went, who would you guess it's got to go to? Well. If, if it's coming home. Tammy was close with that 4 a.m. wake up, obviously. But it wouldn't be right to it get It wouldn't to be her. right. It's got to go to, to Lila, right? It does. So I just want to play one clip, and this should explain why it's going to go to her. Here it is. Yeah, this must be my day.
owning the world. Lila Garrity fucking owning the world. Singing that music. Fucking owning it. Lila Garrity style. It's like she's going on a fucking run. This, this is the same. Anytime there's a scene of with Lila Garrity quote unquote owning the fucking world. She's immediately going to get shoehorned into the MCITW of the week. So... For this week, the final FNL podcast, the MCITW, that is the Marissa Cooper is the worst of the week, brought to you by our fine, 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 fine sponsors from Wicklow Wear, W-I-C-K-L-O-W, Wear, be free and explore, get all your outdoor gear at wicklowwear.com, type in the promo code VL at checkout, get 10% off your order, it's going to Lila for fucking singing like that in the car. No, anytime Lila is excited, like she's crushing it in this world, I want to take her down a peg because she fucking sucks. And I would not be able to sleep at night. Kids, I would not be able to sleep at night if I did not give the final MCITW to fucking Lila Garrity. She fucking sucks. Well deserved. I feel like that was a really good segment by you. Well done. Be free and explore. Brought to you by Wicklowware. Fuck you, Lila. Okay. <laughs> um, so yeah, we're getting ready for state. We're going to state. Who do they who do they got in the final championship game? Voodoo Tatum. Voodoo ball. Voodoo a real real dickwad. You got a real dickwad here. Big knob job. Real big knob job, cheese dick, dickwad, whatever you want to call him, he's it. He went to a rival school. Bundle of dicks. Bundle of dicks. It only makes sense that you meet up with them in the state championship game. I mean, that's just fitting. We go through the whole first half of the state championship game, and it's like the team's fucking trying to play in quicksand. Yeah. Everyone's all fucked up because they found out the news that coach is leaving. He's going to TMU, and everyone's like kind of pissed at him for doing that. They come out super flat. Come out real flat. By the way, speaking of the players being pissed... I just need to bring this up before we get deep into the game. Yeah. I'd say the most pissed player, and for a very good reason, is Matt Saracen. Yeah. Because not only is his coach leaving him, but also he's pulling his girlfriend away with him, so he's getting dumped. Yep. Theoretically. And his coach is leaving, so he's furious. And I don't think we see Matt Saracen like this angry except at his dad mm. for the whole season. And I was just thinking, I feel like they really missed out on some unpet, like untapped brood potential from Saracen. Well, he was pretty brooding the, these last two episodes. That's what I'm saying. Like nonstop. That's what I'm saying. Like, but oh, he was so good at it. He was so good at it. Yeah. Throughout the season, like I feel like he did so much oh shucks personality stuff that they could have like they could have made him a little bit more darker and edgy. And kind yeah. Because he's just. He was good like that. Well, I think that's what makes it carry so much weight. Like, you know, you see Ryan Atwood or Tim Riggins brood. I mean, it's okay. a, that, that's a good point. It's a dime or dozen every, you know, every time they brood. But then you get like a Matt Saracen brood and it's like, oh shit, I guess this is serious because he wouldn't be brooding if it wasn't. Wow, that's, that's a point well taken. Another weird thing about Saracen in that first half of that game is he's got the mouthpiece in that's like attached to the face mask on that string. Yeah, that's 
QB1s do not... absurd. No. That's a miss by Pete Berg. No. Right. QB1s and any star on the high school team, let alone, like, you get to college... You're not attaching them. That's a freshman year thing. That's a that's a freshman freshman. year thing, and the only other person who does that is the guy who just knows himself so well that he's lost five other mouthpieces, and he just knows unless he attaches it, he's just gonna lose it. Yeah, but for that's the rare. But that's rare. That's like maybe two or three kids on the team. For the most part, cool fucking stars on the football team their mouthpiece it's separate it's just a separate piece and it's as small as possible it's as non-cumbersome i don't know if that's how the word i'm looking for but it is as non-cumbersome yeah i mean uncumbersome i feel like we can do better look it's the opposite of cumbersome <laughs> Not, hey, non-cumbersome works it is a small mouthpiece it, you, you want the mouthpiece to act like Act like it's not fucking there at all. Anyways, um, you and I did have a healthy debate over Coach's halftime speech. So everyone's been trudging along in this quicksand. Everyone's pissed. So then going into the half, it's like they got to come back. They got to win this game. Coach T, obviously, it's time to give a halftime speech. And let's play that clip, actually. Let's play. I'm just going to play the very end of his speech. Here it is. Every man at some point in his life is going to lose a battle. He's going to fight and he's going to lose. But what makes him a man is that in the midst of that battle, he does not lose himself. This game is not over. This battle is not over. So let's hear it one more time. Together. Clear eyes, full hearts. Let's go! Rig is up the right side. I personally liked it. I like any any speech where inspiration, it's inspiration time, and someone's getting up there and they're like, look, everyone's gonna fucking fall down. It's not about how hard you get hit, how hard you fucking fall down. It's about how hard you get the fuck up. I thought... I love that. I thought it was just medium at best. It was a good speech. It was fair. You wanted more because he was There's leaving. two things. This is state. I wanted more. That's all, I, that's all I asked. It's state, first of all, and then he's leaving, second of all. And they know it and they're all pissed at him and they're playing terrible because of that exact reason. And he doesn't address it. He doesn't address it. Yeah, he should have. So it's like they're flat because they're just so uninspired by the fact that he's ditching them and he doesn't fix it at halftime. Like he just yeah. gives them like an average speech that he would have given them if he wasn't leaving. We're down by two touchdowns. Everybody thinks we're going to lose. Let's get back there and, and, and conquer it or whatever the fuck he says. But I feel like he needs to fucking dig in there, address it, and turn the negative of him losing into some kind of a positive that that like galvanizes i just i was uh i just wasn't moved in the pants at all so would your pants have moved if he said something like look i know you guys i know i feel just as shitty about it as you but i fucking love you guys let's do this one more time something like that all of us 
Like let's, yeah, like let's galvanize around this and use it as a catalyst. Yeah, I mean, something. I just know that just address Coach it. T has given me chills and speeches before in this, and I didn't get it. See, I agree with you. I agree with you. I think I would have liked him to address it and like galvanize, use the spark as the thing that's dragging everyone down. Use that thing that's dragging everyone down of him leaving as a spark to catapult them like into victory. But I think I just have such a weakness for uh, the whole like, hey, chips are stacked against us. Get the fuck up, bitch. (laughs) Time to sack up. And get the fuck out there. I think I have such a weakness for that speech that it was made okay for me. But um, anyways, yes, they go into the second half. Obviously, that means it's comeback time. And it means that the game's going to come down to one final play. Final play is 18-yard hook and ladder. Classic peel on peas. little trickery. little misdirection. little trickery. little misdirection. But they do it. They pull it out. They do it. Yeah, they fucking do it. They win the championship. They do this hook and ladder. Saracen throws the... It's like kind of like a 10-yard a hitch or, I don't know, like a, a slant in. Either way, Riggins gets the ball in the middle of the field. He's getting tackled, pitches it, laterals it back to Smash on this hook and ladder. Smash takes it all the way down. Like three guys are tackling him. He still gets in the end, uh, end zone. State championship. State W. Champ time. Champ time. Everyone, everyone's going crazy. Everyone's like all excited. They won the state championship. I was a little disappointed because as they're like doing the parade and all the shit after they win, they they recycle back to Devil Town, the song Devil Town. I'm fine with that. I know. I know, but that. it was honestly the second time you and I noticed that in these final two episodes. They recycled back a song from earlier in season one. So I, I, I'm totally fine with that. I'm, I'm going to give them the artistic callback pass. Well, but why? Like the OC was always so good at, at pulling cheap indie music in and at like a plethora of it. I don't think this was a we ran out of ideas. I think it was the song was first played. And I forget what, what was the exact scene. Can you remember? When the song first played, no, but I don't think it's a was joyous it, but moment. Uh, yeah, I actually. And so no, I think it's yeah. kind of cool if they bring the same song back in this moment of jubilation. Yeah, I know there's probably an artistic. I mean, we know Pete Berg; he's always thinking artiste first. So yeah, I'm sure an artiste. I'm sure there was an artistic reason for it. Did you know that Pete Berg always wears a beret, like at all times? <laughs> No. I'm just kidding. He does not. Oh. <laughs> it would have been cooler if he did. I know. Um, I mean, just chain smokes. I get it. Yes. If if that song was at a very poignant, like, seminal moment of, uh, like, negativity earlier, and now Pete Berg wanted to artistically show, like, look, we're going to play this exact same song with a completely different vibe and, and what's going on. It's not depressing, but now it's like a celebration. And I'm still going to fucking make it work. That's how good this song is. So I do like that, taking that approach. But I just, I have such high hopes for these teen dramas and the music that they pump in that I'm always looking out for that that song where I'm like, oh shit. I'm going to put that on my iPod. I'll download that. 
Anyways. I'll tell you one thing that didn't make sense <clears throat> to me while I was watching that parade was Lila Garrity in the crowd of the parade just kind of sulking and not being into it. She's such a I think after blanket. the state championship, she threw away her cheerleading outfit. Yeah, whatever. And now she... So, like, the fact that the fact that she's not into football anymore, that totally makes sense to me. But why go to the parade and just sulk? It's like, you could do anything else with your Saturday. She's like, just, just don't to, go to the parade. She's just trying to drag everyone into her fucking shit, dude. I mean, she's that's what wet blanket depressing people want, is they always just want to pull other people into their garbage. That's her. <laughs> she fucking sucks, dude. Anyways, yeah. Who's your MVP? Coach T, man. Is this just like a Lifetime Listen, Achievement Award MVP for the final episode? This is... I don't want to give him like the season MVP because we can discuss that when we do our full-on recap. Yeah, because that... But this was more of an MVP of um, just can, like full contributions to the episode. So... Like his actions in the episode, he had a couple good moments. Obviously, he took the Dylan Pease to win a state title. So that's unreal. But it was more just him churning up and contributing to the drama of the show. Yeah, he's always in the mix, dude. He's always delivering. He's always delivering. I don't like, begrudge so the pick. We just had so many good moments. Like we had The moments with him and Taylor, uh, Tammy were unreal. The moments where he just doesn't even know how to handle things with Saracen are unreal. Yeah. Where he tries to like talk to him a couple times. Real delicate situations that Coach T's been going through, yeah. Dealing with this kind of thing where he probably, there's, I would say a good portion of him feels like a total fraud at this point. Because he's always talking about loyalty and doing what's right. And then, on the surface at least, he's just completely abandoning his team after one year. There's definitely some guilt that's sitting in the back of his head. So, like, obviously it makes sense for him and his family, like his career, to chase his dreams... And to get a better job and put his family in a better position. But on the surface, at least, all the people that he's gotten to trust and love him over the past year, he's kind of screwing them over. He's kind of bailing on him. So this is one of those MVPs where it's not like, obviously, yes, he wins state, so that's why he gets MVP. But this is just one of those valuable player in the show. Just making this particular... Last two episodes, really juicy for me. No, he he is the engine that makes this show go. I mean, he is... I honestly don't even... I know we've given him love, but I don't... Yeah, I don't feel like we give him enough. Like, he is... We we always gush about Tim Riggins, but Coach T, he is the most important person to this show. This entire show is essentially built around Coach T. Yeah, oh yeah. I would say... Even though the speech he gave at halftime had me no movement in the pants, the little moments like when Tammy told him that she was pregnant and how he reacted to that, it was like beautiful. I flipped it on a dime, yeah. No, I I think that's right. I, I think that's probably the best is we give Lila the MCITW, the final one for Friday Night Lights, and we give Coach T the final MVP of Friday Night Lights. It just feels right. It feels right. So... What we want to do now, you know what? Let's pipe in some theme music. Here it is. Let's pump it in, dude. Let's pump it in as we round out Friday Night Lights Season 1. I think it's been a very productive season for both the two podcasters sitting here in this podcast studio. I think we hit all the main points with this music plan. I feel like we have delivered. I feel like we just want stage. 
we did just win state. So as we sit in our beds tonight, kids, feeling really good that we just won the state championship, we will tell you to sleep tight. You tuck on in, you sleep tight, and we'll be back soon with a wrap-up of FNL and eventually get into turning Pat into a reality TV fan of Laguna Beach. Pat, clear eyes, full hearts, do less, kids. Do way less. You can follow us on Instagram at Vicarious Living Podcast and listen to all of our episodes on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. You know you found us when you see a picture of Pat and I sitting on a couple rocks overlooking the vast landscape that is Laguna Beach. Steven's there, just not pictured. Steven and Elsie, both there, just not pictured.